Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our July hot-scented impression-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. July's theme is A Summer of Smiles and Happiness, Our Blessed Moments. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situations with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Karen Pudetti. Karen is a consultant with Empowering your empowering you consulting. She inspires people to become savvy business owners and empowered leaders. She guides them to personal professional successes, resulting in them seeing their lives and profits grow as they maximize their entrepreneurial potential. Karen's approach to life is that she is a mom first to her two daughters. She graduated with an accounting degree and worked for CPA firms that are Fortune 500 companies before starting her own business in the beauty industry. Karen owns a 16,000 square foot building that is home to her Lux Salon Spa and Laser Center. Not only has Karen built a multi-million beauty business from the ground up, but she also has a highly successful clothing line, Bob Badass Clothing Inc. The clothing line was started to build a foundation for ADHD kids. Karen's book, Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icons Make It Big, is a comprehensive guidebook that takes readers on a journey through the fascinating world of the beauty industry. Readers will learn how to navigate the industry's unique challenges and setbacks and take advantage of opportunities to hone their skills. Grow as leaders, master their money, develop their personal brand, and dream big. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Karen and I will be talking about her remarkable life's journey and the essential resources that you will need to help you achieve your goals and realize your dreams in making it big in the beauty industry, regardless of whether you are just studying your career or a seasoned pro. Good morning, Karen. Happy Wednesday, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? I'm good. Hi. I'm so excited to be on your show this morning. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icon Made It Big is an excellent read. It is very well written, laid out, and extremely insightful. The information shared is very thorough and easy to follow. So congratulations on this release. Thank you very much. I was very excited to finally have this come to fruition. It was a couple years in the making, but it's finally launched, and I'm just really excited and hope that my that this book will help so many people in our in the beauty industry. Wonderful. That's excellent. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Okay. Well, um, 
My parents moved to Rochester, New York, where I'm located, and I am the oldest of uh, three sisters. And my dad worked for Kodak. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was a very traditional upbringing. And, you know, my parents ingrained in my sisters and I, we were going to go to college, and we were going to be kind of the first ones of our family after my father to go to college. So I went to college, and um, I went and got my accounting degree. And one of the reasons I did my accounting degree, because I like the business world, but I always want, I was really interested in the money portion as well. So my dad said to me, you know, if you go into accounting, you can work in any type of um, business and with your accounting degree. So that's why I chose that. So I did that. And after school, I um, I worked for some CPA firms. And then I tried um, the Fortune 500 companies. And I think in the back of my head, I always really knew I wanted to be my own boss and work for myself. And as I, you know, continued through my career at a young age, I was just, I kept feeling like I was missing something. Mm -hmm. So then I took this big leap of faith and I was making really, really good money at the time. And I thought, you know what, if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. And if the worst thing happens, if it fails or I don't like it, I can always go back to accounting. So I decided to quit my job, and I went back to um, school to get my certification for um, laser. I got my um, waxing license, my aesthetics license. I um, went and got my electrolysis certification. And it was like kind of when I was at the, um, I had gotten married, and I wanted to definitely be a stay-at-home mom, but mm-hmm. I really, truly wanted to always make my own money. I wanted to always support myself. If I had kids, whatever happened in my life, I needed to know, like, I, I am financially stable, secure for me and my kids. So I decided to start a small business out of my house, um, and then... You know, I had my first daughter, and I had someone come into the house and watch her, and I worked two and a half days a week. And I truly, um, you know, had to do all the hustling and everything myself. Mm-hmm. And within a year, I was making over $100,000 working two and a half days. So I did that for a while. And then it got to be like my business was really outgrowing my house. Mm-hmm. And so I took my business and I thought, okay, I started going and talking to other people in business and they wanted to partner up. And I kept thinking, I don't think I would be a good person to have a partner. <laughs> I just didn't <laughs> think that was the best thing for me. So then I, I found a business. Um, it was just a spa, small, and they were selling it. And I thought, okay, that's a good way to start. You know, I didn't want to take on too much too fast. Mm-hmm. And I bought a business. And then within 30 days, um, that ba- that business was going to go bankrupt. Thankfully, I just bought the assets of the business so, you know, that that wouldn't be something passed on to me. But it quickly came about that I needed to make some really tough decisions really quickly. And I took on a staff of eight people, and they were looking at me like, who are you? What just happened? 
So we needed to kind of bond and get on the same page and um, quickly. So I went in with a, a plan of how we we're going to do it. I talked with them. They, you know, they they had to be on board if this was going to work. And so within the um, first quarter of changing everything, um, we were definitely making money. And at the end of that year, we made a profit of 250000 And my employees at the time were making a lot more money, and they were happy. So it was a quick um, – it had to be a quick turnaround for us to be successful. And that's kind of where I started in the spa industry. And then, Very interesting. Yeah. And then one of my long-term goals was always to um, buy a building, have an asset as a building, maybe even have rental space, and not have the liability and someone else, you know, own the asset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was something I continued to work towards. And so um, about 12 years ago, I bought the 16,000 square um, building. It took a year to renovate it, but I, I own nine, well, I don't know, I, I occupy 9,000 square feet of it, and I rent out the other like six, 7,000 for rental. So mm-hmm. that's kind of fast forward to where I am today. Fantastic. That really sounds wonderful. Yeah. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. How did your upbringing influence your view about dreams, goals, and desires? The one thing I did get is the fact that you are the oldest. And so obviously mm-hmm. uh, a natural born leader, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, well, that's funny. Yes, I was the leader of my two sisters. I was mm-hmm. the in charge person. There you um, go. And I, yeah. So that was very natural for me. I was very good at bossing yeah. them around. Um, <laughs> um, I think too that my dad was also, um, you know, he went to school for chemical engineering, but then he got into mm-hmm. the business side. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of followed in his footsteps. And um, I remember um, as I got older, you know, we sometimes we'd take these long walks mm-hmm. in the morning. And mm-hmm. he would tell me about, you know, some of the business stuff that was going on and some of the things that were going on. And I always, like, thrived on that and loved listening to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, so I, think I, I got that definitely from my father. Um my, so my dad was always one to say, you know, go try it. Go try yeah. it. What's the worst thing yeah. that can happen? My mother, on the other hand, I, when I first told her I was going to quit my <laughs> job and I was making all this money as a senior financial analyst and I told her what I was going to do, you could just see uh-huh. the blood drain out of her face. <laughs> so she she just shook her head and didn't say anything, which was probably good that she didn't. But, um, yeah, so it was really my dad who always said, yeah. said try it. You know, you got one mm-hmm. shot at life, try it. Um, and he knew I was pretty methodical in my thinking, so I wasn't doing anything right. silly on the whim. I, I had, right, had right. a um, business plan and a game plan. So, yeah, right. um, you know, and I and continued to do things. Um, through my life that they kind of look at me and, you know, 
say, okay, so it's good <laughs> for you. <laughs> no, what your mom did was, excuse me for a minute, right? Let me get outside. And you just, ah. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly, that. she really, she actually, we were in the kitchen when I told her, uh, she nodded uh, her head and left the kitchen and went to see? her bedroom and just shut the door. And I didn't see her for a few hours after that. <laughs> See, that's yep. what mom does, you know, and then she gets out, okay, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my dad had to talk her off the ledge for a little bit, and then she came back, and she she just kept staring at me. <laughs> well, your so, dad, yeah. being, a chem- being a chemical engineer, your dad is very pragmatic. It's very absolute. I mean, there's no gray area there, so to speak, and very analytical. Yeah. So it seems that you, being the oldest, of, of the three daughters, uh, you, besides respectfully, it's funny, you know, we talk, we're having a kitchen table conversation, you not necessarily just the genes, but you, the mythology of thinking, I guess, will be very interesting. Like you say, you always been very pragmatic, analytical, uh, and very thorough, if that makes sense, what yes. I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I think, honestly, I think because my, my dad saw that in me, he yeah. wasn't like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're not going to learn to fly an airplane overnight or something crazy, you know. There so you go. There I you go. Yeah. That helped immensely with, with him saying, yeah, go for it. And my mom just sitting there going, nodding her head a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I see how the, again, this is very interesting because the knowledge that we have around us, right, uh, the things that we absorb, uh, uh, say, formally, you know, education-wise, yeah. And the informal stuff because of environment that we're in contribute to our thought process and so forth. Now I see that how does knowledge contribute to your entrepreneurship journey, so to speak. But why the beauty industry? Well, when I was, um, I think, eight years old, my mom Mm -hmm. was asked to um, teach some modeling. And it was Mm. like a little part-time thing for a year. So um, they had these two big event um twice a year and so Mm -hmm. for the first event um they had models coming in they were doing runway work they were shooting commercials and so my mom took me and my sisters with her to work that day and when 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 all the models were done having their hair and makeup done Mm -hmm. my sisters and i got to have ours done and then we had some pictures taken but i'll never forget like Mm -hmm. First of all, I was like nine years old, and I thought I was, you know, the bomb.com when I was having oh. this done. I was like, you know, like, wow, I mean, we're surrounded with it, all yeah. these beautiful uh-huh. people. So, you know, I remember when they were all done doing my light makeup and my hair, I remember looking in the mirror, and I just was like, oh, wow, I look so pretty. I look really good. And it was mm-hmm. just so strange that thought hit me. And I remember thinking, I have so much confidence now. And then right. they, they did a photo shoot with us, and, um, you know, they said, have your confidence show. And I remember it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I thought, wow. I'm not, and I, to this day, I remember thinking I, that day I had more confidence than anything, any other day in right. the world. Um, it was such a high. So I remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I always kept thinking through all the, you know, when you go through life, your ups, your downs, yeah. your struggles. Yeah. I always remember thinking back to that day with the confidence. And I always thought, you know what, I want to give that to people. I mm-hmm. want to help people come in and help them feel better, look better, and leave just, you know, hoping I brighten someone's day inside and out. 
And so that's what it was that really kind of mm-hmm. kept me going towards the beauty industry. Very, very interesting. Well, I totally agree with you. And appearance is it's, it's just interesting because one would say, oh, you're trying to dress up for me. No, I'm dressing up no. for myself. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And when, and when you tell women that, yeah. and they start really thinking it, it they, yeah. they change. I mean, they really grow their own confidence. Precisely. Because if you're dressing up for somebody else, you're still hiding in that shell of insecurity. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fascinating in terms of that because and, – and this is interesting because I share with people, especially when people start working at home <clears> – <throat> I tell them, you know, when you start to slack off, it's because all of a sudden you start to wear your soccer shoes, your uh, shorts, (laughs) (laughs) and sitting behind the desk. Why don't you put on your dress clothes? Then all of a sudden your mindset change, the attitude kind of thing, your entire, uh, the the aura around you, the energy changes. And I'm, I can certainly see and sense that once you have the proper makeup on, you know, you're dressing your best for you, not for others. Yes, you're absolutely right. And you you end up being more productive. You have a brighter Mm -hmm. outlook. It's a huge thing to do, yes. Wonderful. What was the greatest challenge in getting your business started? (sighs) There was, you know, a lot of challenges. Um, I think for me, I think it was, okay, I didn't like, it's not that I didn't like interviewing people. You know, Mm -hmm. when someone brought me a resume, I read it. And if I talked to them for five minutes, I would think, oh, they're lovely, they're wonderful. And I was terrible at the interviewing process. So I had to learn quickly, like, I'm not patient and very good at it. So mm-hmm. I, I one at the time I had a, a manager and they they were re- they loved it they enjoyed it they were thorough so I'm like yeah this isn't something I should be doing so I let them do it and I really had to develop our our interviewing process so I was really looking for the right person for our organization someone that kind of followed our mission and believed in our um, vision statement and our mm-hmm. core. Um, beliefs, uh, and so so that was one thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other huge thing for me was leadership. I right. was used to being corporate, mm-hmm. and I managed people there, but it's managing very different and different types of people. So yeah. managing like a project or closing year end or month end, certain people are in charge of certain things. You had you know, deadlines, and if they're late, you're like, why? What's happening? What can we do? How can we help you? Here it wasn't so much there. Here we're <laughs> in our industry, we're dealing with people's feelings and emotions. And, right. And right. I I was the worst at that. So <laughs> at one point, I remember in a staff meeting thinking, okay, my staff is staring at me like I have three heads. They keep trying to tell me how they feel and, you know, all emotional mm-hmm. And we were like, we weren't working well together. So I decided, okay, obviously this is a me thing. So I need to figure out what it is and how to change me. Mm -hmm. So I looked, um, I did some research. I found a course on leadership and um, communication. I went and took a course. The first exercise we did 
had me like my eyes wide open. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was a type A personality. I was mm-hmm. short to the point, you know, direct. And I realized that my staff were really polar opposite from me. So mm-hmm. when I was done with this course, I came back and we did this exercise the very next day. And they were. 99% of them were completely opposite of me. And so they like to communicate differently. They like to be heard differently. They thought about things differently. And so I said, okay. And after we realized we were polar opposite, I said, you guys tell me what you need from me, and then mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you what I need from me, and we'll meet in the middle. But it seems real simple, but it was mm-hmm. a struggle for, the, for a long time. So that mm-hmm. was one of my biggest struggles is how to lead and be a good leader for the team I have. Right, right. So that, that was uh, tough, very tough. Sure, because you were shifting for a very long time, you were sort of uh, very pragmatic and uh, the, you know, very different kind of approach, leadership approach, so to speak. I tell people, you know, you don't manage people, you uh, you manage situation, you lead people. And so, uh, yeah. obviously, over the years, you have, you know, shifted to that gearing system, so to speak. And, uh, and so very interestingly enough, that's interesting. So you didn't buy a goldfish and put it in a fishbowl or anything like that, right? In your office? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you no, know I didn't. Say? No. <laughs> but if someone said that would have helped me, I would have done that in heartbeat. I wasn't willing to do anything at that point because I was struggling so much. But yeah. So that was one of the hardest struggles I had. Yeah. But in all as, in all actuality, it's because of that uh, that sort of a pragmatic approach. Because you are uh, talking about uh, this is something very interesting that you mentioned uh, in in the uh, the business philosophy, so to speak. How do you define working in the business versus working on the business? So as I, um, you know, when I started, I was um, working in the business. So I was taking clients five days a week and mm-hmm. I was working seven. So the other, you know, the other two days I was, you know, trying to, do, I was doing payroll. I was trying to do promotions, trying to come up with yeah. the marketing. Or if I had a cancellation, I would be running back to my office trying to do something. So at some point, um in our, in, especially in our industry, if you really want to grow your business, you have to start thinking about the business more. So I slowly started taking, um, stepping back one day at a time with my clients and really, really um, catering to each client and finding them a new person to help them or, you know, a new staff member to help them, serve them well, make sure they're well taken care of. They didn't think I was just, you know, Thanks. See you later. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started working more on the business. So, you know, I was taking the time to say, okay, this is what we're doing this month on services and retail. This is the number of people coming in our door and really starting to work on the numbers and mm-hmm. kind of put goals in place. I, I started doing much more tracking things, what was working, what wasn't working. You know, when I first started, we'd do a promotion and I would, I'd, wonder like well I wonder how many people that brought into the business and I really wasn't tracking anything so over time I was started really focusing more on the business to build the business mm-hmm. as as much and getting farther away from actually working with the clients and so um, 
several, not several, like seven years ago, when I finally stopped doing clients altogether, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I could see our numbers in the business really growing. And then it gave me a huge chance to really start um, mentoring and consulting with each one of my staff members. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was, and that's one of the things I've learned to really love is like, I have people that come to me and say, Karen, I want to make over six figures next year. And we sit down, we have an annual meeting, and everyone goes through their numbers. And then we break down, you know, what their services are, what their retail is. And so they have a a yearly goal, a monthly goal, a weekly goal, Mm -hmm. a daily goal. So they know exactly what they need to do to hit their goals. And that's, I've learned to really love and enjoy that part. Excuse me. Well, that's your strength. I mean, ironically, uh, since you were born, you're very analytical. You have that vision. You are the, for lack of a better term, the architect. But you need somebody else to hang the sheetrock. Yeah. Frame it. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's very, very interesting. Uh, that doesn't mean that you, you know, you have no godly idea how to do that because you need to do that so that you can know, you'll know whether someone pull a fast one on you. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and not only that, you know what quality it's supposed to be too. You see, having done yeah. it for so long, and you know, like, uh, you know, just because you do it, that doesn't mean that it's an A plus uh, in result. So you crank it up to an A plus, you notice that your revenue goes up. You know, if you want to make that six figure that you mentioned as we talk about in this consulting session here. So that's fascinating. I love that. I love that very much. Yeah. So I have to say that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, please. I have to say the beauty industry and what I saw with consulting, different um, salons and spas and Mm -hmm. stuff around the United States, you would have the most Talented, talented people, whether it be eyebrows, hair, right, um, nails, and they they would be working for somebody, and they think they're they're making their this company or their boss tons and tons mm-hmm. and tons of money, and they're like, wait, you know, I'm only getting paid this. Right. So this is what happens a lot in our industry. They go out on their own, and they're the ones who are phenomenal at what they're doing. But now they have to now they're running a business. And generally, mm-hmm. 99% of the time, they don't know how to run a business. They don't know the P&L or anything like that. So mm-hmm. now they start making decisions based on what they think as, as opposed to what their numbers are. And right. that's what happens. So then you have the rock star who's working so hard to pay the bills, and they're not really seeing any profits because now they're paying for the rent and all the inventory and for the other staff members. So that's the one thing about the beauty industry that it's so different is mm-hmm. is that 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 happens. So only one point seven percent of all salons or spas in the United States hit the million dollar mark. And wow, yeah, and twenty before the pandemic, twenty percent in the first three years would close. Um, and since the pandemic, thirty three percent of all salons and spas closed because they weren't running their business profitable to begin with, so they couldn't sustain something like the p- pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. that is one thing, you know, with with the book that I really wanted to help as many people in the beauty industry as possible to help them kind of give them the business sense 
in the industry, mm-hmm. if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Oh, yes, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So that brings me up to the point of, uh, please give us the synopsis of Rag to Riches. Well, Rags to Riches, what I, just, I wanted to write a book, and, I want, and again, to help as many people in our industry as possible. And I thought, okay, if I write the book, no one you know, knows me, it's not going to be very interesting. So I thought, <laughs> how can I make it a fun read? So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I want to get beauty icons in all aspects of the business, like Robert Damone, huge icons to all the stars' eyebrows. Um, and I, those are the type of people I wanted to pick. So I have groomers, hairstyles, nails, eyebrow, people who started beauty schools. And so I kind of want, wanted those, all those, and I put a media kit together, and I sent mm-hmm. it out and kept praying and bugging them. So when they finally said yes, I got to interview these people. So the first part of each chapter, and each chapter is about one of the individuals, is their story. Mm-hmm. and they're amazing people with amazing stories. Most of them, I think if not all of them, start really humble beginnings. And they, they tell their story, their struggles, their ups and downs. And then I give an assessment for, you know, each chapter is different, obviously marketing, branding, PLs, your niche. And then I give an assessment or a questions to fill out regarding that to see where you are in your process. So it really helps anyone from a startup business to hitting the million-dollar mark. And then after that assessment, I, I go into teaching and trying to show there's differences of all different things, like, um, you know, branding. What is exactly branding? What is expanding? And so there's a learning part of that. And then what I ended up doing is I kept trying to put so much into this book and everyone's like, no, 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 that's too much. <laughs> You're getting away from the funness of it. So I actually put a, um, a course together, Rags to Riches, in action. And mm-hmm. that's where anything I've used for consulting or in my business as well, I've put into, um, into the course itself. So that's how it kind of, I wanted to develop the book is, is have a good story, some information, some assessments, and then really go into the learning part or what could you do and this is some ways to do it. So that's, mm-hmm. that was what I, my goal was to do. Wonderful. That's very, very interesting. It's really an excellent book. No doubt it is a guidebook that helps and facilitate a, a thought process. I think that's the most important thing. It's a mapping of your success journey. That would be the best yes. way to put it. Very, very interesting. Yes. Yeah, thank you for saying that because that's exactly what I wanted it to, to be. It's almost like if you take this book, this could be your whole business plan of, of like really getting yourself set up for a really good business. Mm-hmm. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our July edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Karen Budetti. Karen is a consultant with Empowering You Consulting. She inspires people to become savvy business owners and empowered leaders. She guides them 
to personal and professional success, resulting in them seeing their life and profits grow as they maximize their entrepreneurial potential. Karen also owns 16,000 square feet building that is home to her Lux Spa, Salon Spa, and Laser Center. Not only has Karen built a multi-million beauty business from ground up, she also has a highly successful clothing line by Badass Clothing, Inc. The clothing line was started to build a foundation for ADHD kids. Karen's book, Rags to Riches, How Beauty Icons Make It Big, is a comprehensive guidebook that takes readers on a journey through the fascinating world of the beauty industry. Readers will learn how to navigate the industry's unique challenges and setbacks and take advantage of opportunities to hone their skills, grow their leaders, master their money, develop their personal brand, and dream big. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about her life's journey and the essential resources that you will need to help you achieve your goals and realize your dreams in making it big in the beauty industry, regardless of whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned pro. Well, Karen, when you look back and when you do the books, for example, one of the things you mentioned in the book is swing big, dream big. What do you mean by that? That is a saying that's funny. That is a saying mm-hmm. that I've taught, I say to my daughters all the time. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them to dream huge, like dream big, swing mm-hmm. big. Like if you're a baseball player, you're going to swing yeah. large, swing big, and then live big. So I want them to know, like, whatever they're dreaming, it's possible. You've got to work hard to get there, but you'll get there. So I want them to dream big, you know, um, for instance, my younger one has ADHD, and she mm-hmm. would love to be a vet, love to be a vet. Um, her math skills, I don't know if that will ever be possible, but I always say if that's, your, if that's something you want to do, we'll, we'll help you to, you know, get there. You know, it might mm-hmm. be a little longer um, path to get there than others, but it is what it is. So I want them to know anything's possible. I want them to dream really big, like, um, whatever they may want to do in, lo- in life, you know, dream it, then right. swing big, do what it takes, and then live your best life, live big, you know. Um, so, and they kind of get a, um, a kick out of me for saying that, and but they, <laughs> they, I always say that, and I always said that, and their friends who know me say that saying as well. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just want them to know anything is possible. And, and again, my younger one with the ADHD, she has more struggles and schooling stuff, but it is what it is. And, you know, everybody's got their something, so let's make this work. And um, it was actually because of her struggles that I came up with um, my clothing line, BA Badass, because mm-hmm. I wanted my girls to know that even at a very uh, – young age that you know be your best you be your little badass you know <laughs> so that was the only swear word they were allowed to say <laughs> when they were like 10 because they were saying mama be a badass i'm like okay good. Uh-huh. <laughs> well it, so, when used in the right context it's empowering yes that's what i wanted to do yeah. with them and for yeah. them yeah yeah, yeah. 
That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Well, how do you find the term working smart and not hard? Because we hear a lot about that in the business world, right? And then to each is his own. So let's hear it from the expert. Well, my dad used to say, we, this, it started out when, my, when I was really young, <laughs> like 12 or 13. And yeah. my dad said, I asked him, can I uh, get, can I, I don't even know what it was, but can I have this? Can I get this? And he goes, Karen, you, and he always just says, you can have anything in life. You just mm-hmm. have to work for it. And I mm-hmm. was like, okay. So then I, I would work hard. I, that was one thing I've been ingrained to do is work hard. But there's mm-hmm. a, there, I learned the kind of the hard way is like, okay, there's only so many hours in the day. And I'm only going to make so much money at this rate, and it's not unless I work more hours. So then I was like, okay, how am I going to make more money? And one thing is, like I always tell people, you know, I didn't want someone in life to always say, here's your 3% raise, that's all you get. I wanted to determine my outcome. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of the reasons I went into business for myself is because I wanted to do that. It was one of the reasons I bought a building and I wanted to have rental income. So I always kept thinking of other ways to make income that I wasn't doing an hourly wage. So I always think at at whatever it may be, um, you know, like how am I this year, this month, how are we going to – make more money, how are we going to be profitable, how are we going to have our employees the happiest, what will it take, and what do we need to do? And and that answer is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, you know, kind of evaluating your day-to-day to to your whole life and thinking what can you do differently that you are um, not working like hard, but you're working smarter. Like for instance, I love consulting. Mm-hmm. The one thing I always wish is that I could do was I always wanted to help more people at once. I love when I saw one of my clients, you know, all of a sudden they're going on a vacation they could never afford or they're, mm-hmm. they're um, buying their own building or something like that. But how did they get there? We had to make changes. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the things in everybody's scenario of life what mm-hmm. is it that we can change to make you not work as hard, but work smarter, be more efficient and effective? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It sounds like it brings you joy when you contribute to someone else's happiness and success. Oh, yeah. That's honestly, when I see somebody who, you know, who's worked hard, but they, they're, they're working smarter, um, and like knowing your right client, knowing your niche, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden things are clicking and their life changes and they, they, can, they feel that financial freedom. They're doing things that they always want to do. That's my, I like, I feel like, okay, you know, my, my mm-hmm. baby bird can now fly. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> That's good. Very but good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can feel the sort of the, the, um, the, energy you know that you enjoy the joy in, within that knowing that you know that you contribute to their success uh, in a very special way what is the greatest challenge in protecting one's pocket you talk about that in your book so why don't you share it with us on the air so protecting your pocket I, in in our industry i see this all the time 
Mm-hmm. They're great at doing their craft, their niche, but they have no idea about their finances. Zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, I've gone to clients and they'll give me a shoebox, and I'm like, what is in there? That's all my receipts. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And <laughs> you'll say, you know, do you know if you're making money? I have no idea. And so, you know, you really, the owner, if they're not the one who's going to do it, then they have to get a book, a, an accountant or a bookkeeper to mm-hmm. really keep them focused. Because you really, I see this all the time, they, like, they'll say, oh, that's not a bill that's important. And I'm like, oh, really? Why? Oh, it's only a couple hundred dollars. It's only a couple hundred dollars. I only worry about $1,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? You know what I mean? So yeah, immediately yeah. I tell people, no, we count every dime. We count everything. So, um, and people, they look at me first like I'm crazy, and then they realize, oh, Damn. Yeah, we need to be doing that because that means, you know, we're really not making a profit. So that is a must in, in um, you know, any industry, but particularly the beauty industry is you got to look at all the money coming in and all the money going out. Because in our industry, we always see all this money coming in, coming in, coming in. Right. And you're thinking, wow, I'm, I got a lot of money. I, I'm doing really well. I can I can go buy that new you know, aesthetic spot for $6,000 or I can go buy this new product. But in reality, you're you're not. So first thing, and I tell people don't make emotional decisions. Every decision in business should be made on your financials. Um, Mm -hmm. I also tell people what are you willing to put back into the business on a weekly or monthly or yearly basis? And, what you know, what is your long-term goal? If your long-term goal is, to, you know, buy a building, well, then you can't keep spending all your, you know, your profits. You're going to have to put those aside for a down payment and how are you right. going to afford it. So, unfortunately for um, the beauty industry, as well as many businesses, the, the finances are a struggle and it's the biggest struggle and it causes the most problems because that's why people end up not being profitable. So, really, know where every penny's going. Um, mm-hmm. and if you're not the expert in that, find somebody who is and make sure you're reviewing it weekly, um, monthly, yearly, and, and to see, you know, where exactly you stand. Cause most likely you're going to have to have, make some tough decisions on doing business a little differently if you want to make more money. Right. Right. So true. That's very, very interesting, though, because I think especially in the cash business in some ways, of course, now everything is on credit cards and so forth, but in a way, it is cash. Yes. Yep. You still get a lot of cash coming in, um, mm-hmm. and you also get a lot of cash coming in at gift card times, the holidays, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so some people used to test this was another one they say well i don't worry about the cash coming in because that's just extra i'm like extra extra to who you (laughs) know part of revenue i'm like yes no no that's really important and um cash is important to count that as well right so true well how do entrepreneurs benefit from cultural currency i thought that was very interesting well for me, cultural currency also gets tied back to your niche. Mm-hmm. And in any business, um, and particularly in the hair business, you know, mm-hmm. I have people who come to me and I say, well, who is your um, ideal client? What is your niche? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, any, any female between 18 and 72 
you know, that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That is not your niche at all. <laughs> and so really, I mean, it, in the, there's a whole chapter about it in the book about yeah. really figuring out who your ideal client is. And there's, um, you know, there's several things you can answer. And one of the um, people I interviewed about the um, their ideal client, he had written out four pages of notes of what his ideal client was, and then he went after that. And he actually built his clientele faster than 99% of the people because he was so detailed in it. And mm-hmm. and I tell people, if you're marketing to everybody, nobody's going to come to you. You're marketing mm-hmm. to no one. The more you can define the individual who you want sitting in the chair, the more that you'll find, A, that client, and then others will follow. So, for for instance, um, we have people here who work for me, and they're very good at ethnic hair. That mm-hmm. is their mm-hmm. ethnic hair, braids, they're phenomenal. Can they do other hair? Absolutely. But they're expert at that, so they do an amazing, amazing job. And because that was her, I mean, her ideal niche, she's yeah. a full client, clientele because of it. So I always tell people to really, really, really figure out who is the ideal client to sit in your chair. First, they're going to love you. They're going to talk about about you to their friends. Right. They're going to buy products from you. And they're not going to want to dicker on price and say, you know, because I get we, everybody in this industry gets the client who, who says, well, I really can't afford that. And I mm-hmm. tell people, you know, your budget doesn't determine my prices. So mm-hmm. um, so I, that's where that kind of came about. Really figure out your absolute niche client. And um, that's one of the things we do here with every single person because um, like for instance you could be in a stacks department you're all doing facials but some people want organic problems some people want mm-hmm. the you know the technical peels and hydroxies and stuff like that right 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 very interesting because you mentioned something that it's very subtle and interestingly enough not many people entrepreneurs realize that but when you talk about niche right and then that yep. niche, you have that uh, client. Well, guess what? Your client is your breast, uh, brand ambassador out there. Yes, absolutely. And yes. they're paying and, you and to talk about you. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. And and it's funny. Most people don't really understand that or get that. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right with that. Yeah, so you know it's it's very interesting because they don't realize it because they it's a it's what their vision is of that person walking through that front door. If just if you're looking at it as just a dollar bill, then you're not maximizing the potential that's standing right in front of you. Right. Yes, and you know what? It's funny. Like you know. Um, We'll sometimes ask our favorite clients if you could write a review. And, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes when you hit the nail on the head with your ideal client, that's the person that's loving their hair that will, will actually take the time or the extra step to go on your Facebook mm-hmm. or your Google mm-hmm. account and write a nice review. And, the, and that's what drives your business. Right, right. So true. 
One of the interesting things you talk about, the concept-wise, is reverse planning. So can you please explain to us how reverse planning yes. works? Yes. So reverse planning, when, when, you know, when I was getting into consulting at first, you know, they would, we'd start off like, this is where you are right now, this is it. And so one of the things I started doing with every one of my clients is I'd go in, I said, we're not going to talk about where you are today, what's going on. I want you, for the first hour or two, I want you to do two things. I want you to tell me about your perfect day from start to finish, and I, I want to know where you want to be in 20 years, 10 years, and five years. Just your big highlights. Where would you love mm-hmm. to see yourself? And so then they write down, and, I, and it can be business, personal, um, anything, anything in their lives. I want it all written down. And so then I, we sit down and we look at that and then we say, okay, this is what you want. This is what you've told me. How are we going to get there? And so we start writing down steps like, well, you know, if I want to um, retire at this age, I'm going to need to have this much saved. So how's this going to happen? Um, I'd love to be able to uh, work less hours at this age. I want to have this much saved. I want to go on this vacation. So we start kind of putting all that down, you know, where it fit. And then we start figuring out, you know, obviously what do we need to happen and then when we, we have it pretty structured and we have a good idea of where they're comfortable, what they want, I start looking, okay, now let's go back to what are we doing? What, what are we doing today? What's working? What's not? What are the P&Ls? How are things going? And then we see where they are. So how are we going to bridge the gap? And so we really start thinking, you know, at the rate you're going, none of this is going to happen or only this <laughs> is going to happen. You know, and so now we're going to start talking about what are you willing to to change, what steps are you willing to take to get you there. And um, honestly, that I have found with my clients really helps out a lot because immediately you're not focusing on what they're not doing well, where they are, and they're, they're stressing out immediately. You want to show them this is your idea, this is your plan, and – then when you kind of look at where they are, they're like, okay, okay, yep, this is where we are. And, and I don't know, I think it takes the weight off of them a little bit. They know this mm-hmm. is where they are. And I'm like, this is your starting point. It's not the end point. This is just your starting point. So, you know, we're going to need to hire three more people. We're going to need to do – so we start coming up with the plan of how they want to get there. So that, that is the reverse planning. Very interesting. I mean, you have – to approach it from the perspective of beginning with the end in mind. What are you trying to get yes. accomplished? Yep, because a lot of people, when I go and start talking to them, you know, they immediately want, they want to launch it. My staff is killing me. Mm-hmm. They're not doing what they're supposed to. They're not doing laundry. They leave when they want, and they <laughs> launch right into that. So we, we, we have to throw that out the window at first. And so, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. that's the, one of the things that I love working with people, and, and then you kind of just break it down into steps and years and months, and so it mm-hmm. becomes more like, okay, we need to do this, check. We need to do this, work in mm-hmm. progress, so. so right, right. Yes. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, speaking about branding, I know we touched a little bit about that. How does branding impact our business expansion? 
It's funny. When I first got into business, like branding, I didn't even know that word existed nor what it meant. <laughs> so, you know, I knew that you, you picked a logo, maybe picked some colors, maybe had a tagline. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. more and more I developed and, and grew my business, I, was, I learned, wow, those things are really, really, really important. And, you know, if you have a business, you, when you say your name, what do people immediately think? So branding really comes back to, you know, there's your branding position, you know, who you are, what you do, mm-hmm. what is unique about your brand, and the branding promise, what, what is the most important thing that you want to promise to your clients and stuff of that nature. And then, you know, your story, what is your story, your personality, your brand associations, that's your colors, your logos, your fonts, and stuff like that. And really, if you don't have, like, a really clear-cut picture and description and idea of that, neither will people. So Mm -hmm. neither will anybody coming to you. So for us, you know, there's there's several words I want people, when I say lux, they know it's upscale. They know, even though we're a very upscale, we're extremely friendly, we're extremely Mm -hmm. clean and down to earth. That's what Mm -hmm. I want people to know. We have all the services under the sun. We have the latest technology, but, you know, we want, you know, my, one of my taglines, (laughs) I say, we cater to the masses, not the asses. So everybody's welcome (laughs) here. (laughs) So you are the one that with all the bad asses kind of thing, right? There you go. I'm just kidding. That's really it, yeah. No, I think that's interesting, Um, though, because what happens is that, like you say, luxury does not mean snooty. Luxury means giving you the best service and the cleanest place and the friendliest place. Yes. That's elegance. Yeah. Touch of elegance. Yes. You know, for instance, at Christmas time, my front Mm -hmm. desk gets Mm -hmm. more gifts than anybody in the building because – (laughs) <laughs> they really take a liking to our clients. They want to treat right. them. I always tell, I tell my front desk, let's pretend this is the only client we're going to have all day. And that woman, her son is the um, person you want to marry. So how are you going to treat them? <laughs> so also now they get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they get how mm-hmm. I want them to treat them. So, right. Yeah, yeah, and that makes a big difference, I think, because it is – uh, when you take away the barrier in terms of, you know, like, again, if you start looking at a person, especially in a, in a business, when they come in the front door, it's a dollar sign, then you're missing all the uh, trimming around that person, the potential. Yes, exactly. And, um, you know, we, we, we have all walks of life that come through our do- door, CEOs, mm-hmm. doctors, heads of everything under the sun. But, you know, we have this, the stay-at-home mom that we love mm-hmm. and just so it doesn't matter who you are you will always get treated perfectly i hope i'll kill someone no really <laughs> very interesting very interesting well you have journeyed interestingly enough like say you're a natural born leader but then uh, this is interesting self-leadership is different than team leadership so uh, what defines a good team leader that, I had, that was part of my learning. Um, a team leader is I really, my goal and the thing that will make my business run great is my mm-hmm. people. They are my biggest assets. When they're happy and they like coming to work and they love seeing their clients, 
So I have to make sure that, you know, I'm providing them everything they need. If they need more education, I'm getting that for them. I have to make sure that I'm taking care of them well so they can take Mm -hmm. care of their clients well. It's not like I I only care about your numbers and not you. (laughs) I mean, you know, they they know, like, I got their back. And I think, you know, the turnover here is low for that reason. And they know Mm -hmm. I'll do whatever I can to make them succeed. Right, right. So true. Definitely. Well, you talked about money and math. So how is money math? Well, money is math because people, I always tell people math is, you have to know your math, right? You need Mm -hmm. to know if you're making Mm -hmm. money, if you're not making money. So you have to know that. But you, what happens with a lot of people is they grow up with different ideas about money. Um, I should not make a lot of money or I won't be a good person or I should make money and give it all away to lo- those for whatever reason or money is scarce. Don't add. So how we grow up and how we look at money from either our upbringing, our parents, mm-hmm. our siblings, I have come into a lot of, you know, clients where they are doing silly things because they're making money, but they don't think they're they're entitled to it. They don't think they're worthy of it. So I say, you got to look at money as it's fun. It is fun. You work hard. You can give some to charity, but you can't make bad decisions. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times the money issues or their upbringing thoughts regarding it affect mm-hmm. what they do with it. So we mm-hmm. kind of, it's, it's kind of like a psychological, we've got to break this down, and then we're going to come up with a mantra that you are going to repeat every day, and then you are slowly going to keep money in mind that you're in business, you know, to make a profit mm-hmm. and stuff of that nature. So there's a whole chapter on that um, because when I first started writing this book and and doing consulting with my clients, I kept running into these and I kept thinking, I don't understand this. And then I had to do a lot of research on my own to figure out like, Oh yeah, I get it now. I get people have their own thoughts and ideas of money. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they think money is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very very interesting. Yeah. What you say is true. Totally true. Where can someone go get more information about you, your services, buy your book, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, um, they can go to um, www.iconicriches.com, rags to riches. They could also go to my um, K Padetti, P-U-D-E-T-T-I, at Lux Spa. And on my website, there's rags to riches where you can get my book, my course. There's free... um, reports they can get, um, like how to immediately start making more money within the next month, and it's a worksheet you can do to, to increase your revenue right away. Um, so all of that is in those places and my LinkedIn. Wonderful. That's really wonderful. What is your next, what's your next plan? My next plan is my younger daughter with ADHD she mm-hmm. wants to start doing a podcast for kids around her age. She's 12. And mm-hmm. to kind of build a community for kids because mm-hmm. they, they struggle with different things. They also struggle sometimes socially. And there's nowhere that they can go and talk to 
peers of their age to say, Mm -hmm. um, this is working for me, this isn't working. Um, I have her go to an ADH counselor because there are lots of tools and tricks. So that is something we want to do together. Wonderful. That really sounds terrific. In, in, in all actuality, giving back to the community again. So that's really wonderful. Really, really wonderful. Yeah. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that for, for me is um, I tell my girls, you know, again, dream big, swing big, live big, you know, never say I can't do that. Or say how am I going to do that? Find the resources to help you do that. Um, you know, you get one shot, make it count, make it big, and just find your true passion within and let that shine. Beautiful. That's really wonderful. Karen, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, July 19 at 10 a.m. Central Time. My guest will be Kim Canteen. Kim will be sharing her remarkable story of survival, recovery, and hope after the devastating mudslides of January 2018 from the heavy rainfall combined with deforestation from recent wildfires that caused a series of mud flows northwest of Monticello, Montecito, I'm sorry, Montecito, California. The, the disaster tragically affected the Canteen family and was responsible for 23 deaths and caused $177 million in property damage. Kim and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable journey of recovery and her newfound passion in helping survivors of other natural disasters and her memoir, Where Yellow Flowers Bloom. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Karen, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.